Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 17 in continuation of our study. Remember, Moses is giving his discourse to this generation that's passing to the promised land. And he says this in verse 1. This is Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 1. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect. Do you remember how many times we looked at that when we were in Deuteronomy and Numbers and or when we were in Leviticus and Numbers? Uh, nothing mangy. You know, it's, it's always uh, uh, an animal without blemish and specific animals, not just any animal. Very specific. Uh, what the Lord has in, in uh, 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 sacrifices uh, unto him. Very specific. Nothing mangy. It's not like you have, uh, you know, what was happening in Isaiah, if uh, something we've been referencing quite a bit for the past several weeks. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, he says this. He says uh, uh, in verse 11, What purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of lambs or of lambs or, or goats. Now, we see passages in Leviticus, in the law, where the statute, the command is to make these sacrifices so what is it? Why is it that in the course of time it becomes not a good thing for Israel? When he says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 13, he says, bring no more futile sacrifices. Why is it? Well, because the law says nothing mangy. But what happens in Israel is they start offering the mangy, the blind, the, you know, not without blemish, with blemish. That's what starts to happen in the camp of Israel. Now, it takes a while to get there. It's not immediate. But yet, Moses, in this discourse, he's telling the children of Israel, listen, nothing, no animals, no bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect. Let's look at Deuteronomy 17, verse 1. He says, For that is an abomination to the Lord your God. That is detestable and disgusting to the Lord your God. That's how abomination translates. It is detestable and disgusting to the Lord your God. Now, we're going to see in future passages in the Old Testament when the Lord, when he says, no more sacrifices, don't do it anymore. It, 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 it is detestable to me. Now, why is it detestable for the Lord? Did the Lord change? When the Lord gives the command, hey, Moses, tell the people to make sacrifices. But then he says to Isaiah, hey, Isaiah, tell the people not to make sacrifices. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people change their heart. The command is still there, but the formula is wrong in the hearts of the people. You see, it's very important because it's like, you know, okay, I'm going to make my offering this beautiful lamb to the, to the Lord, this beautiful ox to the, uh, uh, to the Lord, this bull, this sheep to the Lord, and it's the, the best, the cream of the crop of all my flock. It's the best, no blemish, no nothing. And offering it to the Lord. Beautiful. I'm not advocating the law when I say this, but I'm just giving an example. And it's beautiful. It's holy. But then at the same time, in what happens in, in time is that a heart can either be soft, remain soft, or it can get harder and harder and harder. You see? And in the course of time, it's like, well, wait a second. 
I can make a lot of money from this bull that's the cream of the crop. I can make a lot of money from this sheep that's the cream of the crop. I can uh, 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 breed this and make more. I can sell this and make a lot of money and I can do this. I can do that. Why am I going to kill it for the Lord? Why am I going to kill it for an unseen God? You see? Whoa. I mean, it pains me to say that. But that's what happens in the course of time. Okay, I know the law says I have to do this. So here, I'm just going to take this, you know, this lamb. It's a little gimpy. You know, it's all, it has, it's not, you know, it has blemishes in the fur. It's a little gimpy and the eye is hanging out. And, you know, no big deal. I got these other ones that are cream of the crop. And this one here, I'll give this to the Lord. Look, I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm doing what Moses says. I'm doing what the law says. I'm fulfilling the law in this activity. Wait a second. I am not fulfilling the law in that in that in 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 that example. And when I say fulfilling, we know that Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of the law. But I mean fulfillment of law in the doing of the law. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But I'm giving an example of what happens in the heart of a person. What happens when the heart of a person, when that becomes uh, an influencer, and all of a sudden it spreads through the through the camp of Israel. And then the Lord says, hey, Isaiah, hey, Isaiah, I want you to do something for me. Hey, Jeremiah, I want you to do something for me. Hey, Amos, I want you to do something for me. You see? And then he says this in verse 2, Deuteronomy 17, verse 2. If there is found among you within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you. Now, very interesting here. It's among you, among the people, but it's within the gates inside the camp you see within any of your gates which the lord your god gives you a man or a woman not just a woman not just a man both a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the lord your god in transgressing his covenant who has gone and served other gods and worshiped them you see serving other gods worshiping them either sun or moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. Very interesting. Which I have not commanded. A lot of people we're going to see in the course of time in the Old Testament are in trouble. Because what do they start doing? They start worshiping things. And you see idolatry enter the camp. Things that the Lord has not commanded. But the same can be said of the church today. Israel is in trouble. Old Testament, Israel is in trouble. Enter the prophets. The Lord says, Isaiah, tell the people. Amos, tell the people. Hosea, tell the people. What about the church age? You see? Things get crazy in Israel. Things get crazy in Judah. Isaiah, go tell the people. The Lord says to Isaiah, Isaiah, go tell the people, Jeremiah, go tell the people, Jeremiah's like, look, there's all these, you, you, look, the, look, the priests are, look, the priests are doing their job, Ezekiel, look, the priests are doing, and the Lord says, Ezekiel, you think these priests are following what I commanded them? They look holy. Ezekiel, you think these priests are holy? Let me show you something, Ezekiel. And when you read the book of Ezekiel, you see the Lord shows Ezekiel. Okay, Ezekiel, you think these people are holy? You think these men are holy? Come here, let me show you this. 
And the Lord tells him, put your finger in this wall and put a, make a hole in this wall with your finger. And Ezekiel does just that. This is in a vision that the Lord is giving him. And then Ezekiel does exactly that. And then the Lord says, look through that hole. And he looks through the hole and he sees what Ezekiel thinks are the holy men. It, the Lord shows him. These are what these so-called holy men are doing. These men that you think are holy, this is what they're doing. And so Ezekiel looks in and what does he see? All kinds of disgusting things of the sexual nature, worshiping of the, of the sun. And then he says, okay, now you're done looking. Here, look, I'm going to show you worse abominations. More detestable things. You see, and with carnal eyes, Ezekiel was like, look, these are, Lord, why are you calling me? You have the, you have the priests. Look, you have these holy men. And the Lord says, Ezekiel, you think they're holy? You think they're holy? Come here, let me show you. Very powerful. The same could be said of the church age. Oh, look, this pastor says this, and I got to do what he says. This pastor says this, and I got to do what she says. This pastor says this, and I got to do, you know. It's like, wait a second. The formula must be right. Obedience to the word of God. Everybody in the camp. Pastors, obedient to the word of God. Elders, obedient to the word of God. Flock, obedient to the word of God. Everybody in full submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh. You see? He says this in verse 4. Well, in verse 3, when idolatry enters the camp. And then in verse 4, and it is told you and you hear of it. Then you shall inquire diligently. Now, I love this so much because there's the responsibility to make sure it's true. You shall inquire diligently because it could be a setup too. It could be a setup. Remember the religious leaders when they tried to set up Jesus? Remember the religious leaders when they tried to set up Paul? You see? Remember our study in the book of Acts when Paul goes into Jerusalem and everybody was telling him, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But the Holy Spirit was saying, Paul, go to Jerusalem. I'm with you. The Lord read letters in Acts, remember? And the Lord says, I'm with you, Paul. Then you see Paul going into Jerusalem. And what do you see? You see the conspiracy against Paul trying to kill him. And so you see in verse 4 here, you shall inquire diligently. You see? Because it could be a setup job. It could be... People conspiring against another person, which happens. We're going to see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Corruption will enter. But that's not the beginning of the exhortation. That's not begin the beginning of this command. You know, it, it might get corrupted and it will get corrupted, but anything beautiful can be corrupted. I mean, we, we look at the corruption of these statutes and we see the corruption in the people. We see the fruit of it in the people. We see what it leads to in the people, Old Testament and New Testament. But corruption can enter anybody. Anybody corruption can enter. How does that happen? You see, we have to protect our hearts. We have to protect our minds. 
So many times we read these passages of the Old Testament and we figure, well, you know, this is just, this is Israel for, you know, thousands of years ago. This is Israel, so it doesn't pertain to me. I'm just going to focus on the New Testament. You know, the Bible says that God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thus saith the Lord, I never change. Read Malachi. Since that's the case, that the Lord never changes, it's beautiful to study these passages because we understand the character of our Lord, the nature of our Lord, things he likes and things he dislikes. I mean, look at, you know, this uh, 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 sacrifice which, which has blemish and defect is an abomination to him. We just looked at that in verse 1. So now that we see that the sacrifice uh, which has blemish or defect is an abomination before the Lord, what about as new covenant believers? We know that he doesn't like mangy sacrifices. We know that now. I mean, we've known it for a while, but just since it's here in verse 1, we, we officially know it now, but we've officially known it before. Since we know that the Lord likes nothing mangy, what about when Paul says to uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service? That's Romans. Listen to our study through Romans. You'll understand. Now when we consider ourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord, you see, without this study of the Old Testament, we wouldn't know that he doesn't like the mangy. If we didn't study the Old Testament, we wouldn't know that he doesn't like mangy sacrifices. So what would happen? Well, God is gracious. God is merciful. Look, God is love. So, so what if I do a little bit of that, a little bit of that? I'm talking about works of the flesh. Little sex here, little drugs here, little occult here. Worship Mary over here. No big deal. Look, God is love. He's gracious. Absolutely true that he's gracious and merciful, but understand, he doesn't like mangy sacrifices. So why in the world would I present something mangy to him? And I'm speaking of myself. Why in the world would you present something mangy to him? And I'm speaking of yourself. You see, he doesn't like mangy. It's like, wait a second, I thought... We can, anybody can come to Christ. Absolutely. You can come to Christ in any condition. Any condition. You see? That's why, you know, from time to time you hear us, you know, I don't care what, what you've done. I don't care the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. I could care less. But when you come to Christ, you and me, we yield to him. And as the saying goes, Jesus cleans his own fish. You and me have to yield to him and allow, by the power of the Spirit, allow him through his word to clean us, to cleanse us. And what does yielding to him look like? Well, we, you and me, we have to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead. You see, he likes, he doesn't like the mangy sacrifice. But when a person comes to Christ, they're not a sacrifice yet. You see? You come to Christ, it's not a sacrifice to Him. He's the sacrifice for you. And He is without blemish, sinless, no sin. 
He's the one who's without blemish. And as he cleans you, as he cleans you and cleanses you deep within, you carry your cross, you reckon the old man dead, you reckon the old woman dead. Remember the, you know, what do we do, Paul? We want to, how do we serve the Lord? And then Paul says to the saints in Rome, present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Wow. What would that verse mean if we didn't know the Old Testament? Okay, yeah, I'll I'll present my body living sacrifice. Whatever that means. You see? But now with the study of the Old Testament, and not just Deuteronomy 17, all the previous passages and even future passages, some of which we've already touched on. Now that we know that the Lord likes no mangy sacrifices, even to, you know, he says, he gives the command, make sacrifices. And then for Isaiah, he says, tell the people not to make sacrifices. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart because they were offering the mangy. You and me as new covenant believers, do not offer yourself in a state that is mangy to him. Whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? I thought, you know, God is gracious and merciful and, you know, he's doing this work inside of us. And yes, everything, yes, he is. But now comes maturity and growing in Christ. Remember our study through the Corinthian letters? It's beautiful to be a baby, but it's very dangerous to stay a baby. You see, we have to grow. We have to mature because if we stay a baby, if we're, you know, you're a new believer and you're a baby in Christ and then you stay a baby for year one, two, three, four, five, six, and you're still a baby, that's not good because it's dangerous because of what sets in the heart. But yet we move on to perfection. And so we see this in verse four. This idolatry, he says, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. You got to make sure it's, it's true because, you know, conspiracies are going to rise up in the, in, 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 inside the camp. A couple people conspiring together. Okay, we got to get this guy killed. How are we going to do that? Let's make up this conspiracy. Let's say he did this. Look, we, we have, we're, we're the witnesses now. Let's say he did this. And so the law says he has to be, ki- he has to be killed. You see? And so in verse 4, he says, And if it, in, if it is indeed true and, cert, and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel. See, remember in verse 2, it's inside the gates. Very important, inside the gates. Not to, not to say that it's permissible outside the gates, but there's something a little different about being inside the camp. You see? And inside the camp, when corruption happens, corruption is in the world. But when corruption comes inside the camp, you see, just like we see in Corinth, you know, Corinth is Corinth. But what happens when Corinth comes into the war, into the church, when the outside is more of an influencer? And so we see here in verse five, when it's been, remember, it's been, it's been determined to be true and certain that the abomination is true. That there was serving other gods and worshiping of other gods, which the Lord has not commanded in verse five. Then you shall, now, not to say, not to say that the Lord does command the worship of other gods, because sometimes I've heard people twist this verse in verse three. 
that, you know, who have gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either sun or moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded. So sometimes people use verse three to twist it and say, well, you know, because of this and because of that, then it's permissible to worship. And I speak of the Catholics. If you're Catholic, if you're Catholic, I love you. But you're not a Christian. Biblical Christianity is night and day with Catholicism. You see, it's not the same. Nowhere in the Bible will you see the worship of the Queen of Heaven, what Rome calls the Queen of Heaven, Mary. But in the Bible, you will read about the Queen of Heaven, idolatry. You see, you'll never read in the Bible about praying for dead relatives, praying for Mary to go into purgatory and rescue dead relatives to usher them into heaven. You'll never read that in the Bible. But you'll hear it being taught in, in, in Catholicism. You'll hear it being taught from the seven hills. And the Bible teaches to be cautious of the seven hills. Beware of the seven hills. You see? And I love you. I don't say if you're Catholic, it's not to say like, well, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, I hate you. It's to say, I love you and you're in danger. Come out of her, my people. You see? The covering that you have, if you're Catholic, the covering that you have is not safe for you. In this life and definitely in the life to come. It is not safe for you. The only safety we have is in Jesus Christ. And you need his covering. Oh, but I do look. I, I, I pray to Jesus and, you know, I worship Jesus. I also worship Mary in accordance to Rome. That's another Jesus. That's not the biblical Jesus. Remember, in the last days, there will be many Christs. Many Christs in the last days. Jesus warns us. The disciples ask him, what's the sign of the end and you're coming? And he tells them, there's going to be many Christs. The real Christ is saying there's going to be many Christs when he answers the disciples. The real Jesus says there's going to be other Jesus. How will we know? You see? And I've had these long conversations with Catholics, my beautiful Catholic friends. I don't say these things to hurt you or condemn you or say I hate you. No, I'm telling you, your covering is not safe. I wouldn't even consider it a covering. You might think it's a covering, but it doesn't hold water. You see, it's just the opposite. There is condemnation for that covering. Come out of her, my people. And I say this as a former Catholic. You see? Oh, but I pray to Jesus. I worship Jesus. It's one of the signs of the end. Many Christs. But only one heals. Only one saves. Only one is a holy covering. You see? And so we see this. When we see that this... Uh, this has indeed happened, idolatry in the camp. In verse 5, then, then you shall bring 
out to your gates that man or woman who has committed that wicked thing and shall stone to death that man or woman with stones. Whoa. In the Old Testament, the wages of sin is death. In the New Testament, the wages of sin is death. Today, right here, right now, the wages of sin is death. Whoa. Remember, in the law is found death. Listen to our study through Romans. You'll understand. And I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But it is true. The wages of sin is death. Now, all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Biblically, no one is qualified No one is qualified to cast the first stone. No one. Except for one. His name is Jesus Christ. Without sin, no blemish, nothing mangy. He is the only one who is qualified to cast any stone. And he doesn't cast stones. You see, he's the only one who is qualified. And 2,000 years ago, even today, he says, repent, drink of living water. You see, so many times I talk to non-believers, even the mockers of the last days, You think I should be stoned? You think I should be stoned? Look, the Bible says you shall stone to death that man or woman with stones. It's backwards thinking. I should be stoned. I should have death by stoning. Because the wages of my sin is death. But yet the one who is the only one who is qualified to cast any stone because he is sinless. The only one who is qualified to cast any stone. He says, where are your accusers? You see? Now you see why I love Jesus so much. Now you see why Christians are so in love with Jesus. And I'm talking about the remnant. Now you see why the remnant is madly in love with Jesus. Because there's this understanding that we should be stoned in accordance to the law. And the only safety to be, to have where the law becomes non-applicable is in Jesus Christ. Listen to our message through Galatians. All, the entire book, including the introduction, and you'll understand more. The law is holy, yes, but at the same time, it gives room for the greater glory, which is the fulfillment of the law. You see? 
And we have to make this distinction between inside and outside. Remember, it is written in verse uh, 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 2, if there is found among you within any of your gates. And that's not to make excuse and say, well, you can be outside the camp and commit adultery. You can go outside the camp and, and commit uh, idolatry. You can go outside the camp and do not to say that that's a good thing. It's definitely not a good thing. But we see the exact same concept making the distinction between inside and outside in 1 Corinthians. Turn with me really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says in verse 9, he says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistles not to keep company with sexually immoral people, period. Okay, I'm not going to keep company with sexually, sexual immoral people. Well, hold on a second. He says in verse 10, Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. This is outside the camp. I didn't mean them. Or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need, need to go out of this world. I love that so much. I love this so much. Because if we were to... If we were to, what he says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. We would have to get in a rocket ship and start a colony on the moon. You see? Because it's everywhere in the world. The sexually immoral, he says, he says of this world in verse 10, or the covetous, extortioners, idolaters. Since then, you need to go out of the world. That's the world in which we live. But he says in verse 11, but now I have written to you, not to keep company with anyone named a brother. You see, it is inside the camp. Inside the camp. Who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. You see, making distinction between outside and inside. Not to say that when it's outside, it's permissible. Because it's definitely detestable acts. Depending on, you know, whatever, whatever works of the flesh we're, you know, we, we have in mind. But Paul says, we have to make the distinction between inside and outside the camp. But the same is said in Israel. Making the, the, the distinction between inside and outside the camp. You see? And inside the camp is supposed to be holy. I say I don't make a blanket statement to say inside the camp is holy. Inside the camp is supposed to be holy. Just like Moses is giving these laws. And these laws were already given. The people already know. In Deuteronomy, it's kind of like a refresher course. It's kind of like a reminder. Hey, you guys, don't forget. Don't forget when they enter the promised land. These are things that they know already. And they know the penalty because that first generation is dead now. Parents, grandparents, they're dead. Remember our study through Numbers? When the 11-day journey became 40 years? These are things that they know. And Moses is saying, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Inside the camp should be holy. But in the course of time, inside the camp isn't holy. Whoa, that's a heavy indictment. Hey, just call it like I see it. Look at, for the Lord to tell Isaiah, tell them not to make sacrifices. It's pointless to make sacrifices. Whoa. Did the Lord change his mind? No. 
Absolutely not. The people changed their heart. Oh, how dare Israel do that? What? Hold on. Hold the phone there. What do you mean, how dare Israel do that? The same thing happens in the church. You see? The same exact thing happens in the church. It happened in Corinth. It happened in Corinth. The church in Corinth should be holy. But it got corrupted. You see? Beautiful, beautiful babies stayed babies. And it got corrupted. Sin entered the camp. And we make this distinction between outside and inside. And we make this distinction between outside and inside. Now there's the delineation between remnant and leaven. You see? And there's certain behaviors for the leaven, certain responses for the leaven, and the same exact thing for the same exact, you know, not same exact, I mean, in, in terms of responses and reactions. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. And so now we see the exhortation to the remnant, okay? Making this delineation, this is the carnal nature, this is the works of the flesh, which has been uncorrected, uncorrected for three years. Now, remnant, separate from them. Separate from them. You see? Very holy what we see here. Old Testament, New Testament. Very holy. But holiness, it's very beautiful. But at the same time, is, is, is a Christian automatically holy? You see? Is a Christian automatically holy? Think of like, think of like a, 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 a creek. You know, a creek, the water's running and the water's nice and pure and everything's beautiful and it's so pure that you can even drink from it. But what happens when, you know, like the beavers come to town, you know, and they clog the flow and all of a sudden that stream, it shuts down and what happens to the water? It becomes like a pond or in the, the pond, you know, if there's no running water, it gets dirty, you see? The bacteria, more bacteria, more bacteria. It becomes nasty. All of a sudden, the all the life inside, like the fish and the, you know, whatever, the water life, it starts to die. Why? Because it's not healthy. It starts to stink. It gets nasty. Animals can't drink it. They go to drink and then they're dead. I mean, before you could drink the water when it was running, it was nice and pure. You could drink the water and you'd, still be, you'd be fine. But now you drink that water, you're going to get really sick and possibly even die. You see? That's the same thing that happens inside a fellowship. What happens when that flow is cut off? I don't want to pinpoint beavers. And yeah, I give the example of beavers, but I like beavers. Cute little animals. They cause a lot of ruckus, but they're beautiful little animals. And it's so powerful to understand for you and me together to have this understanding that that running water needs to flow. And I speak, it's very holy, this running water. It's living water. You see? And so we see what is taught here in Deuteronomy 17. That if this is true, this idolatry, if it turns out that it's true, then those who have committed it, male or female, it doesn't matter, inside the camp, male, female, Stone them. Kill them. You see? Remember, the wages of sin is death. Now, this is Old Testament. 
But even today, the wages of sin is death, and every single person is unqualified to cast any stone. Every single person is disqualified to cast any stone. Why? Because they would be hypocrites. Remember, only the, only the crucified can correct. And the only one who can judge in a condemning manner is Jesus Christ. And that day will come. That day will come upon the earth. Judgment. Heaven or hell. I'm talking about straight up hellfire brimstone. That day will come. He's the only one who's biblically qualified to condemn, to judge. And today, the door of grace is open. And I say to you, repent, repent, repent. Believe in Jesus Christ. If you're listening and you're not a believer, you're listening maybe with the heart of skepticism, cut it out. Don't do that anymore. You come to Jesus Christ with a hard heart, it's not good for you. Your heart might be hard, as mine was. But you come to Jesus Christ and he cleans his own fish, all of a sudden your heart becomes soft because you receive him. And that's my prayer for you. That you listen, not with carnal ears, but with ears to hear. And the Lord give you ears to hear. And with ears to hear, we fall on our knees in repentance to him. Understanding that, oh my goodness, the wages of my sin is death. Now you see why I love Jesus Christ so much. Maybe, if you're not a believer today, maybe you can also fall in love with Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want you to hit pause and listen to the message, how to receive Jesus Christ. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or how to commit your life to Jesus. Listen to that message. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then you come back and you listen with a new set of ears. Ears to hear, eyes to see. And we study and understand these things. It's not like we're going to go pick up stones and go throw stones at people. No, we understand that God's grace and mercy and his love, we are the recipients of that. Because look, the wages of sin is death and I'm still alive. The wages of sin is death and you're still alive. We are the recipients of his mercy and grace. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Now what do we do? We go tell the world. You see? The good news is for them too. Whether or not they receive it, that's between them and the Lord. You see? We have to make these distinctions. A lot of mockers today. Look, the Bible says that these people should be stoned. You want to kill people, you want to stone people. No. No one is qualified to cast any stones. No one. Except for one. And he doesn't cast stones. He will judge. But he doesn't cast stones. He will judge soon. And this door of grace is open. But it's not going to be open forever. You see? Judgment is coming. Repent.
receive Jesus Christ and live. No stones. Live. And so we see this in verse 6. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Now, corruption is going to enter. It's sad. It breaks my heart. I wish it didn't. But it's going to. We're going to see it in the Old Testament. But we also see it in the New Testament. And we also see it today. People who cook the books, so to speak. Look, it says here, like, you know, they, 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 they look at the Bible like lawyers, you know, they are like, you know, CPAs reading the tax code, you know, and they read the book, they read the, the Bible as like lawyers. And they're like, okay, looking for loopholes. Okay, so the Bible says this and the law says this. So therefore, here's a little loophole. We can exploit this. And, you know, look, if we, if we go outside the camp, we can do idolatry. If we go, uh, uh, into the other side of town, now we can worship these other gods. And because the Bible says here, you know, the inside the camp, it's in verse two, it is among you within any of your gates. Well, if that still happens, what does that say about the love and fear of the Lord? You see, now you see why when we see this corruption happen, I mean, not here in Deuteronomy. I mean, we did see the corruption in the, in the parents, in the first generation. I mean, read the book of Numbers. We did see corruption. And now this second generation, we don't see the corruption yet. But it will come. And I don't mean to sound fatalistic and like, you know, oh, well, look, there's no hope. There absolutely is a hope. And it's only found in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the promise. Promise to Moses? Nope. Promise to Abraham. And it was accounted to him for righteousness sake. Pre-Ten Commandments, you see? The law is the additive. The law was added because of sin. But you don't see the Ten Commandments with Abraham. You only see one commandment. Circumcision. You see? As New Covenant believers, we know what circumcision is. Listen to our study through Romans, you'll understand. But yet we see this corruption. Look, it says in verse 6, the testimony of two to three witnesses, he shall not be put, put to death on the testimony of one witness. So here, let's let's conspire. Look, let's get four guys. Let's get five guys. Let's get six, seven guys and eight guys. Oh, no, no, let's make it a holy number. Let's get seven guys. And there's this guy, Jesus, you know, he's, 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 uh, he says he's the Messiah. People are following him. Let's, let's make up this thing. Look, we, ha- we don't have one witness. We don't have two. We have seven witnesses, a nice godly number. We have seven witnesses. And look, there's this Peter guy. Look, let's conspire. Look, I don't have seven, so let's do three guys. Because look, the law says two to three witnesses. So here, let's say that he did this and, you know, when we're, when we're done in this little closed door meeting of ours, let's go out and let's say, look, Peter did this, Peter did this. Because the law states we can kill him. We can throw stones at him. Look, this Paul guy, he's causing people to leave the synagogue. And they follow this Jesus that they believe in. Who are they? I don't know, but they call themselves the way, the people of the way. And there's this great commotion arising of the people of the way. Okay, let's gather. Let's, let's look. You got me, you, three, four, five, six. Let's make this conspiracy. 
Look, Paul. Look at this guy, Paul. He used to be Saul, but now he's crazy. Let's make up this lie about him. Look, we fulfill the law. There's more than two to three witnesses. Okay, now we have the legal green light to kill him. You see? Corruption. That's what happens. Corruption. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But the law points to Jesus Christ. And with corruption, it restricts Jesus Christ. You see? With corruption, corruption blinds. Now these very people who are supposedly uh, advocating and propagating and enforcing the law, they're blind to who Jesus is. You see, not to say that they were without uh, w- without a choice. I mean, they certainly had a choice to make. When you see Jesus Christ, you you read the book of Matthew or any gospel. Well, mostly Matthew, written by the tax collector. Different different tone with the tax collector. Different flow with the tax collector. But when you read the book of Matthew, and if you've been walking with us for a while, you might reflect and remember these studies that we had. You notice the interaction that Jesus Christ had with the Pharisees. When you get to Matthew uh, 23, the condemning verses against the Pharisees, you blind guides, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, woe to you, exclamation point, woe to you, you blind guides, woe to you, you whitewashed tombs. Whoa, that's heavy. That's Matthew 23. Absolutely. But you read the earlier chapters. You don't see that language, Jesus Christ, unto the Pharisees. You don't see that language, Jesus Christ, unto the scribes and Sadducees. You don't see it. Opportunity was given to them. I am who I say I am. You see? The door of grace and mercy was open to the Pharisees, those of the law. It was open. But notice, we see their heart. I mean, when you take notice of the Pharisees through the Gospels, because you see their heart get harder and harder and harder and harder. I mean, you see, like John the Baptist, they just think, okay, he's a crazy guy in the wilderness with his locusts, and he's just crazy. And all of a sudden, people are following him like, what? And then, you know, he's talking about a Messiah. Like, okay, that's that's fine. He's crazy. He's still crazy. And all of a sudden, one day he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Whoa. So this Messiah he's been speaking about is here. Oh, my goodness. Okay, they're just crazy. Let's just, you know, let them do their thing. And then Jesus Christ starts getting attention. <laughs> people start noticing him. They're listening to him speak and he teaches with authority. Whoa. Then he has disciples. He says, I send you out as sheep among wolves. He gives them, instructs them. And now they go out and it's like, whoa. They they speak with similar authority. 
All of a sudden, people start leaving synagogue. Okay, now they're catching our attention. When you read the Gospels, take notice of the Pharisees. Because some have softer hearts than others. And I speak of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has a softer heart than his counterparts. But then you get to Matthew 23. Boom. Woe to you. He doesn't say woe to you in the earlier chapters. He says woe to you towards the end. And then they kill him. People say, oh look, the Jews killed Jesus. Don't forget the Romans were there. People propagate. They hold up and prop up this false theology which is called replacement theology which is a lie from the pit of hell oh the jews killed jesus the jews killed jesus don't forget the romans you see jew and gentile and so we see this the testimony in verse six he shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness now i gave an example of the corruption we see old testament new testament but what about today what about today with corrupt pastors and elders? And you see it a lot in the area of sex. Pastors and elders who molest children. So-called pastors and elders. Wolves who have entered the camp who molest children. The children, the, ch- the, the children, you know, a little girl, a little boy. Mama, this is happening. Papa, this is happening. What does the mom and dad do? Well, you know, you can't make that accusation. Look, he's a holy guy. These are holy men. How dare you make that accusation? So let's just go and see what the pastor has to say about this. Pastor said, well, look, there's the Bible says, you know, uh, Matthew 18, there has to be two to three. There has to be witnesses. And this is an accusation of just one little girl, one little boy. And the, all the all the so-called pastors, I'm doing my air quotes, all the so-called pa- so-called pastors are in cahoots. You know what they did with in I'm not saying Catholicism is Christianity, but they would give the uh, uh, the like the the altar boys, the the the, the young children who were you know uh, uh, assisting in in their uh, uh, religious ceremonies, they would give them special crosses. Different colored crosses. So the parishioners would look at that and be like, wow, look, these, these young kids are, you know, they're, they're helping in service and wow, look, they're serving God. But the priests, the disgusting, perverted freaks who call themselves priests, the freaks, they say, look, see that, see that little boy over there? All these other crosses, except he has a different cross. That's the one that we use sexually. This other little boy with this, see all, everybody has their cross, but the, these, these boys, these four boys, these six boys, these eight boys, you got like 20 boys helping in this service, but you see these four different colored crosses, you see these eight different colored crosses, and the freaks who call themselves priests, that's how they know Wow, you know, look, we can use that boy sexually. Disgusting. Disgusting. 
it comes to light, what does the Roman Catholic Church do? Do they call the authorities? No, they take those priests and they ship them off into other areas of the world. They protect them. They shield the priests. And outside of repentance, those priests will burn in hell. Those priests will burn in hell. You see? They might not get God's judgment. They might, they might not get man's judgment because they're protected from the so-called church. Sheltered from the authorities. But in the life to come, they will burn in hell. You see? That's what's happening. You see it? I, I give an example of Catholicism because it's, you know, it's, it's well known what happens in the Catholic Church. They call themselves priests. Oh, you shall not marry. The priest shall not get married. They have to serve the Lord. They have to serve the Lord. No marriage. They have to stay single. And look, he, 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 his, his vow of celibacy before the Lord. He might have vowed celibacy before man. But what is he doing with the boys? And they have their different colored crosses. 20 boys helping in service. Except you see three or four boys with different colored crosses. You see their demeanor is a little different. They've been threatened, used sexually. You see? Have you ever talked to an adult who was molested by a priest? Oh my goodness. It breaks my heart. I have to be careful with this topic because those priests, those freak shows, in my carnal nature, I want to kill them. That's my carnal nature. That's what I desire to do is kill them. The Lord is going to kill them. You see? It happens in churches. That's Catholic church, which isn't Christian but I'm giving an example of this sexual molestation, which is growing like wildfire, little secret lives in churches, so-called churches. Little boy, mom, dad, I'm, you know, the guy touched me. You know, you, you kiss your, uh, kiss your son at night. You know, he's a little boy. You kiss your son at night. Okay. Good night, son. Good night, daughter. You know, you kiss him at night and then they kiss you a little different. You're like, whoa, where, where did you learn that? Oh, the priest does that, you know, Sunday school. The pastor does that. Look, the, the youth leader does this. What? And then parents. Because of, you know, the Bible says, submit to those who submit to your pastors. The Bible teaches it. But just like we studied on Sunday, if the formula is wrong, it is very dangerous. Parents, pastor, my my daughter made this accusation. Okay, let's see what, you know. Number one, you have to submit to us because we're the pastors. We, we, we look out for your soul. So you have to submit to us, parent. Mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, you have to submit to us. So that's number one. Number two, 
Um, let's see, the Bible says here, Matthew 18, da, 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 okay, on the account of witnesses, okay. Uh, who else does your daughter have to make this accusation? Oh, it's just her. Well, that doesn't meet the biblical qualifications, so therefore, let, you know, it, it's, it's a false accusation. She doesn't have witnesses. Meanwhile, it's the youth, youth leader, ministry leaders, and they treat the children for their own sexual gain, their own sexual desires. Freaks. And outside of repentance will burn in hell. They need condemnation in this life. And when I say that, I mean prison. They need to go to prison. No more, no more ministry. They need to be behind bars in prison. These molesters of children. Who call themselves pastors and elders. And they might get away with it in this life. But in the life to come, they're going to burn in hell. Outside of repentance, they will burn in hell. I can't cast the stone. But in the cases of children molesting children, I want to cast the stone. I want to cast my fists. You see. But I can't. I'm not qualified. Nobody is to condemn. But the Lord will judge. You see? We're going to see this corruption, the account of the, 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 the testimony of witnesses. And it becomes corrupted. Old Testament, New Testament, and even today. You see these pastors. Oh, look, the Bible says you got to submit to us. You know, parent number one, parent number two, the Bible says you got to submit to us. So the parents thinking that they're, they want to abide in Christ. And that's a beautiful desire to abide in Christ. I'm not saying that that's wrong. There's the desire for the parents to abide in Christ. And so the Bible says, you know, submit to your pastors. But that's not a pastor, that's a wolf. Who's killing your sons, your daughters. Unbeknownst to you, but you see the fruit of it. You see the fruit of it. If you have eyes and ears to see. Eyes to see and ears to hear, if you have those. But if you're submitting to a fake Jesus, if you're submitting to another Christ, which are prophesied to come, number one, you're not going to have eyes, you're not going to have ears, you're not going to have the Holy Spirit, because you're submitting to the fake. You're submitting to the wolf, a servant of Satan. And you're submitting your children to the servants of Satan. You go to church, oh, everybody's got a smile on their face. Look, it says truth on the door. It has a picture of a Bible. And so look, it's safe. But knowing the real Christ, the real Jesus, that his word is above his name. That means sound doctrine must be taught. The formula must be right. And when the formula is right, it is safe. But you have a lot of wicked men, wicked men, wicked women too, but a lot of wicked men. 
Oh, look, you got to submit to us. Look, we're the pastor. Look, I got my degrees. I got my, look at my wall. I got the doctorate in theology. Look, I got these books that I wrote. And look, I'm, look, I have all these followers and all these things. Look how awesome I am. Surely I'm a holy guy. You see, you got to submit to me. Mom, dad, you got to submit to me. I'm so sorry this happened to your son. I'm so sorry this happened to your daughter. But since you want to you wanna abide in Christ, right? You want to get to heaven, right? You love Jesus, right? See, the little guilt trip. You want to get to heaven, right? Okay, so now that we know that the Bible says you have to submit to me, Mr. Pastor, you have to submit to the elders, and you, since we, because we watch out for your souls. The Bible says, look, we watch out for your souls. Bring the daughter over here. And the daughter's like terrified. Because she's standing before the guys who have molested her. Who also threatened her. If you ever tell your parents, then you know your parents are going to burn in hell. If you ever tell your parents, you and your parents are going to burn in hell. They threaten the, you know, the little beautiful little girl. They threaten her. Now the little girl is terrified because she doesn't want mom, dad, her. They don't, she doesn't want that, that, that to happen. She doesn't want to burn in hell. She's terrified. And now she's before the very men who molested her. And she's terrified. So what does she say? Oh, no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. The pastor said, oh, Mom, Dad, I don't know where this came up. Uh, is there something wrong in your house? Is there, is there, is there something, something going on in your house that we should be aware of? They, they turn it, they deflect, 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 deflect. What's going on in your house? Hey, come over here for counseling. Maybe, maybe this is a result of your disobedience to the Lord. How's your tithes? Are you tithing? You see? Corruption inside the camp. I have to be very careful with this topic of molestation. Because those men, so-called pastors, so-called elders, so-called overseers, they think they're holy. I want to make them holy, but with physical holes. That's my flesh. I can't do that. I want to kill them. But I can't. But I don't have to, because Jesus will. He's the only one who's qualified. Outside of repentance, such men will burn in hell. But parents, the formula must be right, where it is safe for your children. Where it is safe for your children. And I say this like, wow, we're supposed to be in Deuteronomy 17. What's up with this molestation? Because this corrupt, this twisting of the witnesses, which you see in Deuteronomy 17, but you also see it in, in, in Matthew 18. And a lot of Christians today, they see, a lot of saints today, they see the church going into crazy town. They see it. They recognize that, you know, maybe we're in the last days because, look, the church is going into crazy town. And because you have these weak men who call themselves pastors who don't want to teach truth, and so they candy coat the word of God, 
You see, uh, uh, sin is not corrected. Now when sin, it's like that beaver in the dam. You know, it's, it's sin is not corrected. So what happens? It starts to fester. The, that flow of water, starts, it's cut off. And it starts to get nasty and decrepit. And the bacteria comes and all these nasty things. It starts to, you know, instead of a nice flowing stream, it's just like a pond. And it gets nastier and nastier. And if you drink that water, you're going to die. Because it's no longer healthy. That's what pastors, when they're scaredy cats and they don't want to teach the truth. It says truth on the door. Look, there's a big sign, truth. Got a picture of the Bible. It says Christianity. Look, it says we're a church and all these things. But it is poison. And so Christians, they recognize that, okay, this is, you know, I, I don't want a fellowship here because it's going crazy. So this is their solution. I want more church government. And there's the majority. There's only two routes to church government. Only two routes. Both are da- both are wrong. One is to go into the Hebrew roots, and the other is to go into. I, I say two routes. I say Calvinism, but when I say Calvinism, I'm also including uh, Reformed theory and Presbyterianism. It's all the same. One of the same. So I mean, if you're gonna get technical, there's four routes. There's the Hebrew roots, uh, Calvinist, Reformed, and Presbyterian. There's derivatives of the uh, of all, but those are the major. So I just say two two routes, but there's you know the little uh, side side roads on the Calvinist side, which is Presbyterian Reformed theory. Oh, I want more church government. I want Matthew 18 employed in my church because this other church where we used to go, it's getting crazy. Everybody's committing sin. They're doing the sex, the drugs, and the, the, the not, there's no church government. And so I need a place where there's church government. So I'm going to go to this Hebrew roots where they, you know, they don't play around. I'm going to go to this reform. This guy doesn't play around. You know, there's heavy church government. Well, it's dangerous. All are, all are wrong. You see, Satan is having a heyday in the last days. Because people think they're doing right. But all these avenues they take, Satan is there. You see? You know what's better? It's for the pastor to be a holy covering for the flock, to teach truth, to teach the good, the bad, the ugly. So that men know, hey, don't toy around with the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. Women know, don't toy around with the sex, the drugs, and the alcohol. Don't toy around with these things. Don't do this. And when it does come up, hey, brother, repent. You need to repent. Hey, sister, you need to repent, repent, repent. I love you, but you got to repent. I love you, but this is wrong. Now, in that fellowship, people are probably going to leave because they don't like, they don't like hearing that. But do you see what's happening? The remnant, (laughs) the remnant remains holy. You see, that's, that's the blueprint. That's the model. I meant Corinth gets pretty nasty. Corinth's early state is pretty nasty. But with this separation, look how it becomes beautiful again. It's like the, the, the beavers, you know? You just, you know, you don't have to kill the beavers. You just, you know, they're beautiful little creatures. I shouldn't pick on beavers. I love them. They're so beautiful. 
kind of cute. They're so beautiful. They walk around, you know, the little stubby legs. They walk around. They swim. But then you just pick up the beavers and move them. Hey, beavers, go over here. Then that flow of water starts to come. Look at Corinth. That flow of water, it was restricted because of the carnal nature. Paul comes, you know, oh, let's just love on these people. God will take care of the rest. Absolutely, God takes care of it. He uses Chloe, he uses, uses Paul, Timothy, Titus. He uses his vessels. He does it himself, but he uses his vessels too, which is doing it himself through his vessels. Now that flow of water is restored. But that flow of water, it's restored, but to the fellowship. But the makeup of the fellowship, it's no longer the whole. It is now the remnant. You see? Very powerful. And a lot of Christians get themselves get themselves self-inflicted. Get themselves in trouble because they see the church is going crazy. A sign of the last days. And so they run to safety. Oh, I'm going to go over here where it is safe. I'm going to go over here where it is safe. I'm going to go over here where it is safe. I'm going to go over here where it is safe. It's like the Bible says, you know, running away from the lion only to get eaten by the bear. You see? This corruption we see among so-called pastors and elders. Oh, you don't have your witnesses. What's that? You know, they molest the little boy, they molest the little girl. Sometimes they're teenagers. Young women. Young women. And by their pastors, so-called pastors. They get molested in the church. As soon as they're 18, boom, I'm out. I want nothing to do with Christianity. Don't even mention Jesus Christ to me because have you ever talked to like a 30-year-old female? Even like a 30-year-old male who was molested. Anybody who was sexually molested, sexually abused in church? You talk to them when it's all over and done. And I don't mean over and I mean the actual crime when that is done. Their safety is not in the church. Their safety is outside of the church. Rightfully so. Their safety is outside of the church. You talk to them, don't ever mention the name Jesus Christ to me. It kills me. It breaks my heart. Don't ever mention the name of Jesus Christ to me. That's what they do when they say satanic ritual abuse. That's what they do. They abuse, they abuse, they abuse, they abuse, and they're always mentioning Jesus Christ. Pray, to, pray, pray for Jesus to save you. People pray. See, he's not saving you. Now pray to Satan. You see? And then they relent. They, they kind of uh, uh, withhold their abuse. So a person starts thinking, okay, Jesus is fake. Satan is real. Now they become Satanists. You see? But when the formula is right, that's where the power is. That's where the power is. The real power. I'm not talking about, you know, the stuff you see on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. And the guy, you know, waves his hand, waves his, takes off his jacket, waves his jacket, and like the five, five, five rows fall down. 
That's an abomination. I'm talking about the real power of the Holy Spirit. Now, because people don't have that, they say, well, you know, that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. No. In them, the formula is wrong. You see? The, the covering is wrong. The formula is wrong in the pastor. The formula is wrong in the elders. The formula is wrong in the flock. Because it's a, it's a terrible covering. It's not even a covering. They think it is, but it isn't. But the real power of the Holy Spirit, where there's no expiration date, what you see in the book of Acts, the formula must be right. See? This corruption, we see it enter in Israel. We see it enter Judah. We see it enter uh, the church. We see it enter homes. We see it enter families. We see it enter the corruption. But yet the word of God must be taught. The majority, corrupt. The minority, refined. That's the remnant. You see? And so we see this. In verse 7, The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. You see? Remember, in the law is death. In reading these passages, we must understand the Old Testament, the Torah, from the lens of the New Covenant. You see? Very important to understand that in the law is death. Listen to our study through Romans. There's only one who's qualified to condemn. And he will. But today the door of grace is open. In God's mercy, it's open to be saved. There is a heaviness to the law. Absolutely. But, you know, when you're raising children, you know, it's heavy too. I mean, you take a, a three-year-old, little love taps, you know, little spank, spank, little tap, tap. Hey, don't do that, tap, tap. Hey, don't do that, tap, tap. Little spankings, groundings, penalties. But it gets, it gets looser in time. Penalties get lighter in time. I mean, you, you don't see like uh, 15-year-old boys getting spanked anymore. Sometimes 15-year-old boys are like, you know, big burly guys. You don't see those guys getting spanked anymore. It gets lighter. It gets... That's when discipline is applied in a home. Correcting a child when it's applied in a home and done in a home. You see, to speak to grieving moms, oh, my son is in jail, my son is in jail. Okay? Because you failed to discipline at an early age, parent, now the world is going to apply its discipline to your son. Jail. And all that, all that applies to, all that's implied and all that applies to what happens in jail, what happens in prison. Because you failed to, to discipline, now the world is going to discipline. Oh, but my son is in jail, look. Woe is me, my son is in jail. It's too late. It's too late. Oh, look, my son, he's 22 years old and he's going to jail. He's going to learn a terrible lesson now. Because you, parent, 
did not want to teach him the lesson when he was two. He's 22 now. But he, when he was two, this is a lesson which you, parent, failed to teach. And now he's going to learn it. And it's going to be really heavy. Really heavy. Very painful. Not just for him, for you as well. We reap what we sow. See? Parents, discipline your kids. I'm not talking about beat your kids to a bloody pulp. But they need a little tap tap every now and then. Double tap. <laughs> to those who have ears. <laughs> no double taps. <laughs> no double taps. In verse 8, if a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge between the degree of guilt for bloodshed, between one judgment or another, or between one punishment or another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which the Lord your God chooses. Now you see this, this self-policing, so to speak, or self-governance, so to speak, or self Control. This happens with maturity. Remember, this second generation is not the first generation. The first generation, they're dead. They've been judged. Now this second generation, they're going to enter the promised land. And there's this aspect, this element of self-policing and governments and self-control. It, it happens with and through maturity. But there are still difficulties which will arise. Different degrees of guilt different degrees of punishment and matters with, of controversy within the gates. So now what happens? In verse 9, And you shall come to the priests, you see, holy men. You shall come to the priests. Now, remember, the formula must be right in the priests. Do you see? How many times do you remember? If you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our study through Leviticus? How the priests about God's business, they should be all about God's business. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. Now, if you're like, what is that? Listen to our study through Leviticus. You'll, know, you'll understand. Abodah, abodah, mishkan. The priests, a lot of blood, a lot of animals, a lot of blood, a lot of sin. You see? Working in the tabernacle. Kohanim, Levites, oh, there's leaven. Okay, let me check on the leaven. Or the, the leprosy, a type of leaven. Okay, yes, this guy has leaven. Okay, now we got to go outside the camp. Let's go outside the camp. Let me check on this lady. She says she's a leper. Okay, she's a leper. No, no funny business. These are holy men. Not okay. Disrobe, lady. No, you know, I'm going to turn around, expose the area, and let me know when you're ready. And the lady says, okay, I'm ready. Turn around. Okay, that's leprosy. Now cover yourself. Now we got to go outside the camp. See, no funny business. Aboda, aboda, mishkan. Levites, the priesthood. Okay, let's give this, let's feed the, uh, 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 the lepers, those who are outside the camp. These are holy men that are about the Lord's business. What is his business? 
The people must be clean right before the Lord. When corruption enters, it's not good for the camp. Old Testament, New Testament. When corruption enters, it is not good for the camp. Old Testament, New Testament. When corruption enters, it is no longer safe. It is no longer a holy covering. It is no longer a godly covering. That's not to say that the covering can't be. But did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. Look at the college institutions, universities, and their foundings. Major universities, you look at their founding documents, honoring the Lord, honor the Lord, honor the Lord, everything to glorify the Lord. Higher education to glorify the Lord. That's at the foundings. Look at today. Institutions of liberalism and all things of the flesh and wickedness. They think they have understanding, but biblically, they are idiotes, without understanding, idiots. It's biblical. It's what the Bible says. Oh, he's so mean. He says they're idiots. It's what the Bible says. Idiotes, without understanding. You see? Corruption. It happens in the church. Oh, godly man over here. Let's follow. Let's do what he says. Let's forget if he wants to go grave soaking. Look, the Bible says we have to submit to them. He, he watches out for our souls. We got to submit to him. Let's go grave soaking. You see? Then the pastor knows, oh, I got these people. Like They, they do whatever I say. Wicked, wicked. The pastors, oh, they do whatever I say. So now I'm going to molest their kids. Oh, uh, little girl, now she's a teenager. Wow, look, now I'm going to uh, satisfy myself sexually. You see? Wicked, wicked, wicked men. Me personally, I want to kill them. Molesters of children, I want to kill them. But I can't. That's That's one of my carnal areas. I won't, I don't, but the desire is there. But the Lord will kill them. You see? It's very powerful when we understand that when the formula is right, instead of a pastor saying, well, you know, you have to submit to me, so you got to do this. What about a pastor who says, I don't want a Lord over you. This is what the Bible says, you choose. This is what the Bible says, now you have to choose. Ball's in your court. Open up your Bible, we're going to read, we're going to study. Ball's in your court. This is what the Bible says, this is what the Lord says. This is, you know, the word word became flesh. Genesis to Revelation, open up your Bible here, turn here. Ball's in your court. I want you to apply these things, but if you don't apply these things, you know, that's between you and the Lord. You see? And you don't apply these things, then the the cesspool is going to grow and fester. Then that has to be dealt with. But we're going to exercise grace and mercy, love, correction. And hopefully that will happen, but ball's in your court. If it doesn't happen, 
Ball's in my court now. What about a pastor who has this mindset? We're going to teach. We're going to study the Bible. You have your choice to make. I don't want to lord over you. Whether you choose to obey or disobey, that's between you and the Lord. You don't want to apply. You don't want to be obedient to the word of God. Okay, that's between you and the Lord. Ball's in your court. Couple months, a brother, a sister. I'm noticing this carnal nature. What's up? Let's pray about it. You, you know, let's 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 open up the Bible here. Let's study these things. Look, this is what the Bible says. Meanwhile, praying when they're sleeping at night, nice and warm and toasty in their bed, pastors on his face before the Lord. More months. Look, I've told you, balls in your court. You know, we teach, we study. Balls in your court. Whether you choose to obey or disobey, that's between you and the Lord. Balls in your court. Now we've gone multiple months, no heating, no this. Okay, now balls in my court. You see? Here you are. The feed. You, you can eat. Here, you know, here's, here's the food. But then the pastor says, look, since you want to do this, ball's in my court now, and I also have a flock to protect. You see? The pastor has to be obedient to the Lord in accordance with the blueprints found in the Word of God. Now we see this in verse 9. You shall come to the priest. Very beautiful. The law is beautiful. I'm not saying that you know, understand that the law is still holy. And yes, though there is glory in the law. It's just the lesser glory. The greater glory is in Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law. You shall come to the priests, the Levites, and to the judge there in those days and inquire of them, and they shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment. You see? And we're going to see corruption enter. But you see this passage here and it's like, wow, this is safe. The, the people of Israel, the people of God, they have a, they have a blueprint when, you know, to, 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 to conduct themselves in a righteous manner. But then if they don't, if they need help in certain areas, to go to the priests. Beautiful what we're, what we're studying here. But it's going to break your heart when we see and study corruption enter the camp of Israel. It's also going to break your heart when we see corruption enter the church in our studies in the New Testament. And it's going to break your heart and perhaps is breaking your heart when you see corruption enter the church today. But yet it's one of many signs of the last days. In verse 10, you shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in the, that place which the Lord chooses, and you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you to do. Wow. A lot of responsibility for the priesthood. Kohanim, Levites, a lot of responsibility. You see? In the priests. Kohanim, Levites, in them. Holiness is required. Oh, that's the Old Testament. That's not the New That's not the New Testament. Look, we're under grace. No, 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 no. We're under grace. And yes, holiness is required. Kohanim, Levites, holiness required. 
But as new covenant believers, I speak to the pastors and the elders, the overseers. Holiness is required. Pastors. Holiness. When you don't have that, the flock grows anemic. You see? It trickles down to the flock. That's a flock that will be presented to the Lord. How will they be presented to the Lord? Is directly proportionate and a result to how you teach, how you shepherd, Pastor. See? A lot of repenting needs to happen. Remember, judgment comes first in the house of God. You look at the last day's church, Revelation 2 and 3. Seven churches, only two are not told to repent. Meaning everything's on point. The formula is beautiful in those two churches. Five churches are in trouble. Repent, 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 repent. The majority in trouble. Today, majority in trouble. Repentance, a lot of repentance. Pew and pulpit. And where it's in the pulpit, most likely, 98% of the time, a stepping down needs to happen. A replacement of teacher, a replacement of pastor, replacement of elders. This holiness is required, but what's also required is humility. You see? In verse 11, according to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. Now you see, this is very holy. I'm not advocating the law. This holiness, this glory is a lesser glory than that of Jesus Christ. It's very holy, but it is also very dangerous. Just like we studied on them. We've been, we've been camping out on this for a while, the last several Sundays. The formula must be right. It's very holy, but it's also very dangerous. I mean, you have a problem. You don't know how to handle it. And so you go, this is like Old Testament times. You go to the priest and you do exactly what the priest says. You better make sure that priest is dead. And I speak metaphysically and spiritually. You better make sure that priest is all about the Lord's business. Because the law states you have to do what he says. You see, now you see how corruption can enter. My people perish for lack of knowledge is what the Lord says to Hosea. Tell the people, my people perish for lack of knowledge. You know what happens in the last days in the church? My people perish for lack of knowledge. Oh, look, I got knowledge. I got this study Bible. I got this study Bible written by this guy in the study Bible. Look, it's so awesome. My people perish for lack of knowledge. You know why? Because these propagators, these advocates of the mark of the beast, Go ahead, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Boom. Hellfire damnation. Oh, but I have knowledge. I got my study Bible. That's not knowledge. You see? Knowledge is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Carnal knowledge in the ways of the world. You read the Bible as literature. doesn't work that way. That's not the formula. It is spiritually discerned. 
Anybody who says you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved, that is such a person is a servant of Satan. Never, ever, ever take the mark of the beast. And it is coming. But yet, see, the formula must be right. You better make sure, you know, the Old Testament times, you better make sure the priest is dead and all about the Lord's business. New covenant times, you and me. You better make sure the pastor is dead. Oh, pastor, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Okay, you know, since the Bible says you have to submit to me and you got to look, there's Old Testament passage here. You know, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. Look, Deuteronomy 17, verse 11. Therefore, and you get wicked, you know, just like we talked about on Sunday, just like we studied on Sunday. Oh, husband, you have a problem with pornography. Okay, wife, now you got to do this. Now you got to perform like this. You don't want your husband to go to hell, do you? So now you have to do this, the unnatural use of your body. Perverted, disgusting, sick freaks at the pulpit. There is a formula that is holy. Look for that. And when you find that, there is safety. You see? In verse 11, you shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left from the sentence which they pronounce upon you. Now, look at the Phineases, the two Phineases, Phineas. There's one Phineas and then there's another Phineas. There's several others, but I speak of two. Oh, look, you know, one Phineas says the people have to do what I say. These are Phineases in the priesthood. One Phineas says, oh, the people have to do what I say. The next Phineas says, oh, the people have to do what I say. Now, one Phineas is the son of Eli. You see? It's very dangerous to do what that Phineas says. If you're female, it's very, very dangerous to do what that Phineas says. Oh, but the Bible, the law says, look, whatever, according to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. If you're female, it's very dangerous with... Phineas, son of Eli. And you'll probably be introduced to sexual sin too. Instead of being cleansed, you're going to be defiled by Phineas, son of Eli. Who the Lord kills, but it's dangerous to follow that counsel. But then there's another Phineas, son of Eleazar. Remember, he put the javelin, him in the, the, the javelin in our study in Numbers 25. So you have two Phineases in the priesthood. And with, in accordance to the law, in accordance to the law, According to the judgment, in verse 11, according to the judgment, judgment which they tell you, you shall do. Okay? You got two Phineas's here. One is Phineas, son of Eli. The other is Phineas, son of Eleazar. Now, look, the Torah says, I got to do what they, what they say. I got to do what Phineas says. I got to do what it says. Okay. 
You're applying the Bible. You're applying the Torah. You're applying the law. I'm not advocating the law, but just giving an example here. One Phineas is very, very dangerous, but there's another Phineas where it is very, very safe. You see? In one Phineas, the formula is very, very wrong. But in one Phineas, the formula is very, very right. You see? You, my beautiful friend, need to make this distinction. I'm not advocating the law. I'm giving an Old Testament example of the very things that we need to apply in our lives today. The formula must be right. Where is found safety, where is found holiness, where is found a godly covering, where is found righteousness, where is found Goshen. You see? Goshen. Safety. Light. For the dark. In verse 12. I mean, something very interesting. Very, very interesting. In the camp of Israel and even in the camp of Judah. Remember, we're, we're going to see separate, probably in, in several years. But we're going to see the separation from Israel and Judah. Now, both have priests. Both have Levites and Kohanim. But the very fact that the Old Testament has a lot of prophets, some false, but I'm talking about writers of books. I'm talking about Ezekiel, Jeremiah. I'm talking about Hosea, uh, Amos, Micah. I'm talking about these prophets. Captured their... Their testimonies captured as books, as canon of scripture. It says a lot about the priests. It says a lot about the priesthood. The Levites and the Kohanim. I meant for Isaiah, in Isaiah 1, for the Lord to tell Isaiah to tell the people, I don't want your offerings anymore. But meanwhile, you have Kohanim and Levites performing the duties of the Kohanim and the Levites. The people thinking they're okay. But yet the Lord says to Isaiah the prophet, tell them, I don't want that anymore. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. So you have these prophets but meanwhile, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you have these beautiful prophets, holy men, where the formula is right, who are have eyes and ears, their, their ears are tuned in to that of the Lord. Not that they're awesome. I mean, me personally, I think they're awesome, but not because they're awesome, because the Lord is using them and, you know, they stood for the Lord and their exhortation for us today. But meanwhile... You have the priesthood, you have the Levites, you have the Kohanim, and they're dressing, they got, they, they got the parts, they got the, they're wearing the robes, they got the garments. They're performing the sacrifices, the people bring their stuff, and they're doing the duties of the Kohanim and the Levites. And the Lord says to Isaiah, tell them, I don't want that anymore. Whoa. 
what does that say of the priest? I mean, you know, remember a couple of weeks ago, I looked at that the inch, you know, I looked at Deuteronomy 13 and Isaiah 1. It's like, wow, you know, I got about a th- an inch in my Bible. And that's a, that's a lot that happens in that inch when you read the entirety of the Bible, the Old Testament. But don't forget that as the Lord says these things to Isaiah, I don't want the sacrifices anymore. Tell the people I don't want it anymore. Tell them it is futile. It is not futile, but for them, for Israel in that state of heart, of circumcision, it is futile. You see? But meanwhile, the priests, they got the garb, they got the robe, they're doing the duties. It looks holy. It has this appearance of holiness. But it is not. Whoa. But it's the same thing in the last days. Look. The guy is a preacher. Look, he's a pastor. Look, he has his study Bible. Look, he has his books. He has his coalition. They write all these books. Look, they got all these followers on social media. They're influencers. Look. But meanwhile, there's a voice in the wilderness. That's not the formula. It is not safe. It is not safe. Remember the four categories of the last day's church? False apostate entering apostasy or true. You see? Ball's in your court. We have to choose. We have to be Bereans. Know the Bible. Know the word of God, which is, you know, a gift of the spirit. Oh, but this guy's a pastor. Biblically, the majority are disqualified. Biblically. And that's, I mean... As we get closer to the uh, closer to the beginning of the seventieth week of Daniel, and according to the in accordance to the prophecies, it's gonna be it's gonna dwindle in number. Because remember, the only people who can identify the Antichrist, the only people, are Christians, and not just Christians, a remnant, because the majority of Christians say, "Oh, we're not gonna be here." You see, we're not gonna be here. A lot of what's happening today because of false theology, a lot of people today are saying, okay, it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Why? Because, you know, a, a study Bible teacher says it's okay and you're seeing the spread. But then at the same time, I've had conversation with the pre-tribulation rapture people, believers, saints, whom I love. They call me satanic, but I love them. And they say, oh, you know, we're not going to be here. So what about... When government bodies employ this mark, are you going to take it? Well, since, you know, the rapture happens before, then it's okay to take it because the rapture happens before. So we're not, since we're not going to see these things, uh, biblically speaking, then it's okay to take the mark. It's okay to do that because we're not going to be here when it re- the real one happens. You see, the church is being set up. It's a setup job. Now, I don't teach the pre-tribulation rapture. If you're listening and that's a shock, I know it's a shock. I don't want to hurt you. But listen to our studies. Two studies to listen to. One is called uh, 
uh, uh, Jacob's trouble, biblically explained. And the next one is called, When is the Rapture? Listen to those two messages. It's very important. And you'll understand. Perilous times are coming. And perilous times are here. And so we continue in our study. In verse um, 12. Now the man who acts presumptuously, which is a prideful, like a superiority complex, the man who acts presumptuously and will not heed the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. So you shall shall put away the evil from Israel. Now you see how Phineas, son of Eli, do you see how he lot how he had a lot of reason how he how he had this uh, uh, how he corrupted there was corruption in himself but how he twisted and corrupted the word of God to even allow these things to even say okay look the Bible says you got to do what I say and if you don't do what I say I gotta kill you you see now that's heavy that's heavy. Say you're female in Eli's day. You're female in Eli's day. And you think you have leprosy. And all the priests, all the priests are occupied except for Phineas, son of Eli. You say, okay, you know, I'll take Phineas. Phineas, you're you're alone in a room with Phineas. You're female and you think you're a leper. Phineas says, Okay, what's the matter? Phineas, I think I'm a leper. Okay. Now the Bible says I got to inspect. You see? Oh, that's not leprosy. But it could lead to that. So now you have to do X, Y, Z. And you're appalled. No, I can't do that. Well, the Bible says here, look, the Bible says that if you don't, if you're going to act presumptuously and not heed what I say, you got to die. See? Now you see why the Lord kills him. The Lord takes his life. Because he's been placed in the balance and found wanting, but it is dangerous for the people. You say, oh my goodness, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Absolutely, it's terrifying. But now you also see, we're not even in the New Testament. Now you see, through the law, Old Testament times, how the fear of the Lord, which gives room to the trust of the Lord, which gives room to the love of the Lord, which gives room to the hope for the Lord, hope in the Lord and hope for the Lord. And I speak of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Remember, the law was added until the seed. Now, you see the beauty of trusting in the Lord, fearing the Lord, trusting the Lord, loving the Lord. Because that leprosy, that whatever question that female has for Phineas, now it becomes non-existent. Now, you don't have to go to Phineas. Why? Because you're under the covering of the Lord through obedience. You see? Now, you don't. Phineas is corrupt 
and he's, you know, he's will be judged and the Lord will kill him. But all the females who receive counsel from him are in danger. But to receive counsel, to receive correction from Phineas, which is the bad model, much better is it for all those females to obey the Lord themselves. You see? But outside of that, now it becomes dangerous to go to Phineas, but Phineas becomes the path. And that path must be safe. And with Phineas, it's not safe. The formula is not right. You see? That's why when we see this corruption at large scale in Israel, in Judah, you see the corruption. But yet, Isaiah, it's not like that in his house. It's not like that in his tent. What about his parents? How they raised him? They raised him well. You see? What about Ruth and Esther? You see? What about Ezekiel? What about Jeremiah? See, the multitudes go into crazy town. But yet, even while the multitudes go into crazy town, there's still a remnant. Old Testament, New Testament, there's still a remnant. You see? It's powerful. It's beautiful. It is holy. And people make up excuses. In Jeremiah's day, oh, Jeremiah, you're crazy. We're the elect. We're the elect. And those same people are either dead or in Babylonian bondage. You see? What about people today? Oh, you're too, you're too mean-spirited. That's too hardcore. You're, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. You're going too far with this Jesus business. But I say to you, Observe the dissipation in which is found the wine and drunkenness. Observe the dead and let them bury their own. But it is written here. The man who acts presumptuously and will not heed the priest who stands to minister, in verse 12, who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. You see, that's pretty heavy. I shouldn't say pretty heavy. It's very heavy. It's not to say that this law is not good. The law is good. But the formula must be right. Among the priests, among the judges. Now when that goes corrupt, enter the prophets, the Lord. Nathan. Nathan, go to David. See, Ezekiel, go to the people. Hosea, go to the people. In verse um, 13, and all the people shall hear and fear and no longer act presumptuously. Now, this, this presumptuous guy, if anybody who acts presumptuously, remember, which is a prideful superiority complex, you know, oh, I'm of the elect. Don't, don't correct me. I'm of the elect. Now he's dead. And in verse 13 says, all the people shall hear and fear. So now you have the people who have the fear of the Lord, which is beautiful. Why? Because it is the beginning of wisdom. See, building blocks through the law. The Lord is helping Israel grow and mature because the fear of the Lord is a strong base plate 
through the law, a strong base plate for people to have that fear of the Lord, which is the beginning, 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 beginning of wisdom. And now they can mature from there. You see? And remember, the law itself was added because of sin. Remember our study through Galatians? See? But you know what's required through all of this? Yes, holiness. Yes, humility. But even before that, you know what's required? Ears to hear and eyes to see. It is supernatural. In verse 14, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. Now, this is beautiful and it's sad. It's sad because, you know, like in Samuel's day, that people, oh, we want a king, we want a king, Samuel, anoint a king for us. And Samuel was brokenhearted. What's wrong with the Lord? The Lord is our, the Lord, we're governed by the Lord. We're governed by the Lord. What's wrong with the Lord leading us? And so the Lord tells him, hey, Samuel, it's okay, Samuel. They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. You see, has the Lord ever spoken that to you, to your heart, in your heart of hearts? You're pleading with the people. You love the people. Listen, I can't control you. I can't lord over you, but obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. I know that this is hard, but it's not going to be hard forever. I know you got a problem here, but it's not going to be a problem forever. But this blessing that you desire, this blessing that I desire, it's a byproduct of obedience. You and me together yielding to the word of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. And has the Lord ever spoken that to your heart? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You see? It's beautiful and sad, verse 14. I have this like, you know, I read it and it's like... It, it breaks my heart, but I also love it because when the formula is right, you see beauty in Israel. When the formula is right in the church, you see beauty. I mean, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That's like one of several ugliest chapters of the Bible. One of ugliest chapters for the church. There are other passages which are ugly, but 1 Corinthians, you see a lot of carnality. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a lot of carnality when the leaven is exposed. But you don't see that in Ephesus. You don't see that in Philippi. When the formula is right, you see Philippi in Ephesus. The threat is always there. Remember Paul says in the Miletus meeting, well, some of you guys are going to be wolves and wolves will enter and not sparing the flock, ravenous wolves. But for the time being in Ephesus, you see safety because the formula is right. You see safety in Philippi. But the majority of fellowships are in trouble. Enter the worker. Not the field, the worker. Making the distinction between field and worker. Remember our study through 1 Corinthians? Even in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Seven churches. Two, the formula is beautiful. Five, 
are in trouble. They need to repent. In verse 15, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord, whom, over you, whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Major prophetic implications here. Major prophetic implications. I find it very interesting when we see world leaders claim Jewish ancestry. Whenever I hear that, my ears always perk up. These are little little passages of the Torah that the Antichrist will attempt to fulfill. Trying to fulfill the law. He himself being lawless. But I find it very interesting when these world leaders try to claim Jewish ancestry. Because there are passages of the Torah, of the Old Testament, and even of the New Testament, which gives us little indicators. We'll save the names for another day. In verse 16, But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. You see, bondage in Egypt, that's history. Bondage in Egypt is history. And Moses is telling the people, listen, not to, don't return to Egypt. That's history. Those days of bondage are over. Now this first generation, wow, beautiful. Look, bondage is history. It's over. Wow, praise be to the Lord. Absolutely praise be to the Lord. But remember, you shall observe. You shall do these things. Remember, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. Oh, but bondage is history. Don't forget Babylon. Oh, but bondage is history. Bondage in Egypt is history. Don't forget Babylon. Don't forget Assyria. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we figure, oh, look, the Lord rescued the Egypt is history. I'm not to go into bondage anymore. And praise be to the Lord. Absolutely praise be to the Lord. But remember the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3. The evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews 3. Because yes, Egypt might be gone. But don't forget Babylon and Assyria. Obedience is required. The formula must be right. Inside of you, inside of me, the formula must be right. Inside of pastor, inside of elder, the formula must be right because the covering must be holy and it must stay holy. And the covering is holy, but the formula must be right. The covering that Jesus Christ teaches from his word is right, is holy. But everybody, individual saint, family, Pastors, elders, everybody must be in alignment to the word of God. Very rarely does that happen. It happens in Philadelphia and Smyrna. It doesn't happen in Laodicea. You see? It happens in Philippi. It doesn't happen in Corinth. It happens in Ephesus for the time being. 
Remember, ravenous wolves will come in. But it doesn't happen in Galatia. You see? And when the formula is wrong, now it's dangerous for the church. Now it's dangerous for saints. Because remember, the servants of Satan want to bring into bondage. Remember our study through Galatians? It is written. We have the blueprints. And so we see this in um, verse 17 in closing. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. You see, this is the ability of women to be an influence to a husband. We just talked about, we just studied this on Sunday. But what about the virtuous woman? The virtuous wife? Or... The wicked woman, you see? Virtuous woman or wicked woman? See, to my beautiful sisters in Christ, for your sons, set the bar high in your own conduct, in your own behavior as you strive to live virtuously before the Lord. Set the bar high. So when Riff Raff comes to son and says, hey, can I have your phone number? He says, get behind me, Satan. To the riffraff. Set the bar high. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. I don't want that for male, female, young, old. I don't want that for any of our hearts to turn away. There are certain safeguards that we can employ and apply right here, right now. To build up those safeguards. You see? Oh, that's works. You're talking works-based salvation. What? It's called obedience. Oh, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by faith through grace. Absolutely. That's how we're saved. But how does a soul stay saved? You see? Remember the thief on the cross? What would happen if the thief came down off the cross? Not to sound blasphemous, because it's not in the Bible. But what if, you know, Jesus Christ says to the thief on the cross, one of them, today you'll be with me in paradise. Beautiful, beautiful words. And the thief, absolutely, the former thief, I should say. I can't wait to meet him. Absolutely in paradise, as the Lord says. But what if he came down off the cross? What if he came down off the cross? You know, he would have to obey the, the, the word of God. He would have to obey. Not to sound blasphemous. But what if that thief was let down, he healed up from his wounds, and he goes back and, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex. He goes back into a life of crime. Will he be with the Lord in paradise? You see? People conflate these truths. Oh, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith and by grace. And absolutely. But how does a soul stay saved? Knowing that it's entirely possible to be a short-term believer, read Luke chapter 8, verse 13. It's entirely possible for a believer to be an unbeliever, read Hebrews 3. You see, 
Very important to understand these things. In verse 17, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites. You see, so beautiful. And it shall be with him. I love this. This is a qualifier for the king. Moses, in his, he's an old man, in his, his final discourse to this next generation, he says, look, this is a qualifier for your king. Look for this. And you're going to see, when we get to the kings and the chronicles, you're going to see kings that do wickedly before the Lord. And then you're going to see fewer kings that are righteous in the eyes of the Lord. And you're going to see what happens in Israel. You see, evil king, it's like the beavers in the dam. You know, it, the water stops flowing. It becomes corrupt. It becomes decrepit. It becomes poisonous water. But then you're going to see a righteous king. Boom. The beavers are moved to another area and every the water flows again. And now it is safe again. You're going to see it. And what I love so much are those beautiful, beautiful kings, men of God. And I wonder about their parents, how they were taught. I wonder about their mothers, virtuous women. Remember? My son, mother of King Lemuel, Proverbs 1, my son, Son of my womb, son of my vows. King Lemuel grows up and it is safe for him and his household through the teaching of Mama. You see, I wonder about these beautiful kings. When we get to the kings in the Chronicles, you have wicked kings. And it's bad. I also wonder about their parents taught wickedness. But then the righteous kings... Beautiful parents who taught them well. You see? We see in, in verse 18 these rules that are given when, you know, when he, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this book, the copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. He said, wait a second, he's king, so automatically it's ordained of the Lord. Well, wait a second. How does that blessing of the Lord, how does it stay there? Yes, it happened. Look at Saul. Ordained. But did it stay there? You see? No, it did not. Through disobedience. And he became wicked. He might have known the fear of the Lord. He might have learned the fear of the Lord. But did he fear the Lord for the long run? No, short term. You see? That he may learn the fear of the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. You see? In verse 20, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren or haughty and presumptuous above his brethren. Oh, I'm the king, therefore you got to do what I say. I'm the king, therefore you got to do this. 
look, I know the Bible says that we shouldn't have these bales and Asherah poles, but we're going to do it anyways. Then you see corruption enter the camp, enter the land, and it gets darker and darker and darker. You see? The Lord teaches us. He shows us these things. He says that he may not be turned, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. You see? So you see this blueprint. And this blueprint is nothing new. This is a blueprint that has already been given the first generation. They knew it, but they didn't apply it, and now they're dead. And now you have this second generation. They know it. They apply it for a little bit. But then they're going to forget. And now you see the ups and downs in Israel. The ups and downs of Judah. And you also see as new covenant believers. The ups and downs of the church. The ups and downs of the saint. The ups and downs of families. The ups and downs of the individual Christian. You see? But with obedience comes the blessings of the Lord. You see? Oh, you're too hardcore. You too, you're too hardcore. There is no other way to live. You see? To the beautiful people of the way, remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.